0: good morning everyone grateful to see you at bethesda this morning Uh, what a great day to be in god's house and see and feel and know that we are experiencing him through worship uh what a great uh session of worship music that we just uh partook of and uh grateful for the worship team to put their practice in because During Christmas season we do have Christmas songs that uh, come to be uh, on our set schedule and we're grateful that they uh, play those for us and we can sing and worship and thank God for Christmas season. Uh, Won't you look over at your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. Looking forward to the Christmas EVV service this year on that Sunday night, it's going to be a great time, and I know that uh, we will get to have great fellowship together. We are in the Extravagant Generosity series, week two. Uh, we begin in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17-19, through 19 is our verses for this series. And uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing back to his beloved spiritual son, Timothy, and he's uh, talking to him about the church. And we are the church, so if Paul was talking to him, he's talking to us. And he's explaining to Timothy some things. And it begins at verse 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this world's goods not to be haughty or to set their hope on riches which are uncertain, but on God who richly... Everybody say richly. richly. That sounds extravagant, doesn't it? Extravagant generosity. He richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment tell them to do good to be rich in good deeds that sounds like extravagant generosity and to be generous givers sharing with one another in this way they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future and so lay hold of what god what truly is life or what god shows us that is truly is life This verse is telling us that we need a firm foundation and that we need a foundation that is capable of withholding what God builds on our life and continues to build on our life. So once you come to Jesus and come to know Jesus, he continues to build you and create you and move you along the path and journey of life to be the person he's called you to be. It's instantaneous salvation is, but... There's a continual, lifelong thing where God continues to mold you and to make you. The Bible says that he is the potter and we are the clay, that he is forming you and molding you in what he wants you to be. Allow him to have dominion in your life. But this foundation is important because Jesus told the parable at the time of where that there was two houses built, and one person built their house, and it was on sand, shifting sand. And he says the other person, they built their house upon the rock. And when the wind and waves and the, the come in, that the one that was built on sand was shifted and the sand was taken away and it fell. But the one that was built on the rock, it withstood the storm and it held the test of time. So today in this place, I want us as Christians in this building to know that as we have allowed Jesus to be our chief cornerstone and we put our trust in him, that he is our foundation, that he is the stabilizing force in our lives. So when the winds and waves of life comes and happens and moves and, and, and conditions you and opposes you, know that Jesus is what you need to be stable We all need that. So Paul encourages Timothy about these foundations. And Christmas season is built upon. In our culture, a season of giving, a season of extravagant generosity. And it's amazing to me to see all the different nonprofits, and it's not just the church that gets involved in this. I'm part of other groups and and member of different things, and I see extravagant generosity coming from people that don't usually give. So this is a season where that people's hearts are conditioned because it's about Jesus. If there was no Christ, there could be no Christmas. It would just be mass. It would be mass chaos. So we're thankful for Jesus and what he's done. So as we're looking at this, I, I enjoy this series, and I want to take it to a place where that we're talking about stewardship and how we're to steward what God has given us and how that we are to be extravagant givers and being very generous the way that Paul encouraged Timothy to do here. And this stewardship is about you taking care of and laying hold of what Jesus desires of you, what he encourages you to do. And I want you to be obedient the way greg prayed that just a few moments ago that we would be obedient and and to listen and and love like jesus loves and act like jesus acted and do what jesus did and this season that's what we should do and if we're going to steward things i'm not just talking about in stewardship money i'm talking about the gifts that god's placed in your life and there's a diversity of those and we're going to talk about those there in a moment but the song that i want to look at today because i love christmas carols don't you Amen. Christmas songs are amazing. I love listening to them. Greg listens to them year round. We normal people usually listen to them, you know, during Christmas time. But Greg is a year long guy listening to Christmas carols. He loves them. So if you go to town with Greg, you'll hear Christmas carols. It'll be February. He'll still be listening to Christmas music. He loves it. And uh, we're not all the same. Amen. Thank God for diversity. So he wants to think outside the box on his stewardship, and the song that we're going to look at today. Last week we looked at "Joy to the World," right? And and this week we're going to look at "Little Drummer Boy." The little drummer boy, and it's a, a awesome tune that we just played a few moments ago. I didn't play. I said we, like I was up here on the stage, jamming on my guitar or something. It wasn't me. I was standing there singing. I was participating, right? I was, I was singing out loud. And, and Jill's probably thinking, man, he's off key. Would he just shut up? And, but I'm singing anyway because I like singing. But they elf told me the best way to bring Christmas cheer is sing loud for all to hear. So we as a church, we should do that, amen? We should sing because it's the joy of the Lord that brings strength to us. And I'm encouraged when I sing. And I, the kids went to a youth convention just a few weeks ago and had an amazing time. And they come back and they said that the girl that was leading worship music there would, would dance. And she was dancing on the stage and singing and, and hopping around. And, and I tried to do that a minute ago. I don't know if hopefully nobody was watching me because I about fell down and all that. But I was, I was in my mind. I was thinking if she could dance, I can dance. Amen. The Bible says that David danced before the Lord. Amen. We should do that. Why do we leave the dancing up to the world? Whatever God said, everything on planet earth is his. Dancing should be in the church. You can move, you can raise your hands. You can lift your voice. You can clap your hands. It doesn't matter if nobody else is, you can go ahead and do that. I watched Dusty sit up here and he quit drumming for a minute and he was lifting his hand and I was like, that's awesome. Our little drummer boys up there lifting his hands. He ain't even drumming. Come on, man. Come they say to me. Yeah. I didn't say I could sing. I just said I sung loud for all to hear. It brings Christmas cheer. Little drummer boy, it's awesome. And I, I looked it up and I, I've been uh digging through and and uh I go to Google. Anybody else Google? Google's awesome, right? Google gives me answers. Used to, when I was a kid, I had to go to the encyclopedia. Anybody remember encyclopedia? These kids up here don't even know what that is. Used to, when I studied for something in school, I couldn't go on and Google it. I couldn't find it that way. I had to go into the encyclopedia and look through it. And it was aggravating, really. And if you had an old set of encyclopedias, something new might have come along, and you couldn't find it, Dusty. is kind of frustrating. It's like, I don't have the newest version of the encyclopedia. Mom still got them up at the house, so whenever we go there sometime, if you want to see a, what encyclopedias are, Josiah, I can show you a set at mom's house. They're still there. But Catherine Davis, is what the internet says, uh, wrote this song, uh, Little Drummer Boy, in 1941. And I want you to know this, that yes, Google lies to you sometimes. Well, not Google per se, as much as people contributing to Google, or Wikipedia, or whatever you want to read. So you can read all kinds of falsehoods on the Internet, but uh, the Bible says that let everything be, every word be established by the witness of two or three witnesses. So whenever I'm looking for something like this, I try to dig through and find a corroborating story amongst two or three different people so that I can say, yeah, this is probably true, right? So I found that in several places it said that Katherine Davis was more than likely the person that wrote this song in 1941. And, and one of the articles I was reading, and I couldn't collaborate this with other places, but I th- thought it was kind of cool. It says that she was uh, basically in a, in a, a sleep and dreamed this song. How cool is that, right? It's kind of biblical. I thought it was kind of biblical because Peter was laying on a roof. We learned about a few weeks ago. And, and as Peter's laying on the roof, he had this vision. He was in a trance. And, and as he's laying there asleep uh, out of his uh, awakened state, he, he had this dream, this vision where that God showed him what to do. This woman got a song about this little boy, a little drummer boy. It's kind of amazing. There's all kinds of things out there, and I, I found a really good article on DesiringGod.org about this little drummer boy, and you can read that if you want. Uh, it's really interesting. But as I was thinking about this song that she wrote, it in a in a way, and and we got it up here on the screen. So I, I grew up in church in a in a little bit church up in. Uh, is out there by the basin hole. Anybody ever swim at the basin hole out on Lower Kenny? Uh, the Basin Hole, there's a little church at the top of the hill. It's called Hilltop Tabernacle. And it's a little bitty old church, a little bitty building. It's probably about half the width, literally, of, of this church. It was little, and it's probably about from the stage here to the back wall and about half as wide. So a little bitty place. It's not a big church. And about 15 people would go there on average, and and 95 or 96 percent of them was uh, people in their uh, senior years. So it was all a bunch of blue hairs, amen. A bunch of blue hairs sitting around, uh, but they was loving people. They loved us as kids, and and me and Howie and my sister Minetta was really the only kids that was there, and uh, they loved us dearly. They they. Just uh, Forrest Cooper and Eloise, Eloise would teach us, and, and Forrest pass just passed away uh, just recently. And uh, 90-some years old, World War II guy, uh, just amazing people. That church was filled with amazing people. But there's this lady there named Marjorie Rose. I don't know if anybody here knows Marjorie Rose, but she's a, a dear saint. Uh, she's still living. Uh, she's the same age as my grandmother. She's my grandmother's best friend. And she's an author. She's literally wrote uh, books. And from Lewis County, I mean, she's an amazing person. And she would write plays for us when we was little kids. And Jason was into plays when I was little. And as a family thing that my grandpa was like the star cast member and and he always played this shoe cobbler and he would fix people's shoe and tell them, and, you know, at the end of the story, it would always be somebody coming through that he could fix their shoe and tell them about Jesus and they'd get saved and it was awesome. And I was, remember that as a little kid sitting through those and and being in those plays and how he was always better at remembering verses than, than, or little lines than me and, and Marjorie would write these skits and we would act them out and 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 she would always give Howie more words to say than me and and I, I barely remember like one sentence so I had these little one-liners you know what I mean that, that would be my part I could contribute something but we're not all the same. My grandpa would remember lots of paragraph types he was really good at acting. He, if, if somebody in uh, Hollywood would have came to one of those little plays at a 15-person church they would have been amazed at the capabilities of people in small rural america i've got one up on vhs tape at the house and you can go back and watch it and it's just amazing to see uh what a little church could put on and this little church of 15 people would and other people would bring their grandkids and we would all get involved and everybody would have a poem we'd have songs and when you're a kid you think everything's bigger right so it was like we was in a mega church when i was a kid it was like i was at some three thousand member church or something on christmas because it's awesome And they would invite everybody to come, and we would practice from October to December. Just amazing what they pulled off. And it's just cool because thinking back on it, everything's bigger when you're a kid. So we would get all done and all ready and be ready for the Christmas play, and and the time would come, the night of the play, and they'd turn the lights out and have candles burning on the wall, and and we'd all be up there behind the curtains and have the lights going and moving furniture and all the stuff we did, and people would come. And a church that would hold 60 people in the pews would have 90 people in it, standing literally in the aisles completely full of people to watch these little plays that a few ragtag bunch would get together and practice for. Kind of like the little rascals, really. So, in saying that, God gives us gifts, and we need to use our gifts the way he wants us to use them. And this song that I want to draw attention to today during the sermon is, is this song, this little drummer boy. Come, they told me. Well, you guys are just fuddy-duddies. Come on up, Dusty. I, I think the rumpa rum pum pum this is a drumming song, man. So we need a drummer up here. How many, everybody agrees, we need a drummer. Come on up, Dusty. Everybody give him a big hand. Dusty, the drummer. <laughs> Little drummer boy. So you got to do the pum pum pum. We're, we're going to do our part and you do your part, okay? All right. Uh, Josiah, you start the first one. <laughs> Lynette. Greg. Ernie. Andrew. Awesome. Awesome. Stay there. You got to stay there. We're not done yet. pop rum pum pom On the drum. How cool is that? Hey, Amen. This is a little drummer boy, little drummer boy Dusty. Isn't that just awesome? He did a good job on the on the fly too. No practice, anything. He just just automatically had it. Isn't that amazing? So there's gifts. So if I had to go up there and do what Dusty just did, I couldn't even put rumpa pum pum on a drum. I I know I can't. I'm not even going to try because I know I can't. So drummers are drummers, guitar players are guitar players, and Dusty can play the guitar too. He's a pretty good musician. He he actually can play bass. And here a while back, we was here goofing around and playing, and, and he had the bass guitar playing and was playing the drums too at the same time. So Dusty's a one-man band. If he'd had a microphone, he could have sung. So we we could have set it up and he'd do it all by itself. Uh Pretty amazing, really. I'm uh, pulling that off. So what is your drum? So if we're saying a drum, drumming is a gift, what's your drum? And I want to read Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because it's the one I like for this uh, that I'm reading today. So Romans chapter 12 and I'm going to read from the uh, New Living Translation. And Dusty likes the New American Standard version. Greg kind of likes the King James version. I like the New King James version. Uh, Leslie likes New Living Translation. There's people. It's all over the board. But the thing is, these verses that are written out, and you can't really claim that the King James version is the only version, for the fact it was written in 1611. So if the King James version was the only version of the Bible, what did people do from Jesus' death till sixteen eleven. How many's glad you got a Bible? Amen? I'm glad we got a Bible to go by. And all those years they had a Bible in Latin Vulgate and they had these they was just all over, you know, and they had if you go back in Aramaic and they had it in, in Jew in a Jewish language that they would, would have it in and Hebrew. And it, it's just what we need to think of that not a version, but what does it say? So these translations are translations of the original text. So sure they'd be off a word or two, but the gist of it and the context of it and what they're saying, I just like this version for today, so you read it in whatever version you want. I'm gonna read New Living today. Romans chapter 12, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, everybody say extravagant generosity. Paul's telling the Roman church, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Be extravagant in your giving to God yourself. Not just parts of you or not little pieces of you, but God's saying, here I am, do whatever you wish with me. So Paul's telling people to do that. Because he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly a way to worship him. So worship is not music. Worship is not songs. Worship is life. So as we think about this worshiping, yes, during worship, yes, I can dance a little bit. Or yes, I can raise my hands a little bit. Yes, I can sing a little bit. That's worshiping. But during offering, that's worship. During the sermon, what are we doing right now? We're worshiping God. As you're driving down the road, you can think about, I just want to worship you, God. I want to go what, do what you want me to do today. That's worship. Everything we do is worship. Don't copy, I love this verse too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you got stinking thinking. Amen. Change the way you think. We have to. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. We're not all that in a bag of chips. Amen. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies has many parts and each has a special function. Each person in this room today, you have a drum. I don't know what your drum is. It's a gift God is giving you. And Paul spells out some here, and we're going to talk about a few of these. And it's amazing how Paul is, is telling the church that, yes, you're gifted. So it is with Christ's body, we are many parts in one body and we belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. To prophesy means to speak on God's behalf. That He gives you the words to say. And if you've never experienced that, it's an amazing thing. To not even know what somebody's going through or what somebody's facing. And Greg's told me about this before, that just that God will give him words to say. And whenever he says it, it just dumbfounds other people that they're like, wow, how did you know? I didn't know. He knows. I will let him use me to say something, whatever he wishes to say. If you've got that gift, use it for the glory of the kingdom of God. If your gift is serving, serve them well. Some people have the gift of serving. I try to do that. I don't know that it's my gift, though. So some of these things, even though it's not your 100% your gift, you can still do it. You can't run around and say, well, I'm just a prophecy guy, so I'm just going to prophesy. I don't have to worry about doing anything for anybody. You can still serve, too. Last night I was down there at the restaurant and, and helping, and, and I looked over, and there's two waiters, and, and they had all these people there, and, and I was like, well, I, I can get up and get a cup of pop. I can get up and serve tea to a few people. I ain't beyond serving. Amen? So if you serve, if that's your gift, then serve really well. If you're a teacher, teach well. I'm thankful for the teachers that volunteer their time and effort and their talents, and they give uh, extravagant generosity in giving their gift to the children of Bethesda. Ain't not you glad that a group of people went down the steps a while ago with a bunch of kids and, and they're going to be down there and they're giving extravagantly down there to the kids? It's awesome. If you're a teacher, teach real well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. How many knows that's a gift that needs, we need in the world today? Amen? There's enough people tearing everything down. We need somebody encouraging people. Amen? To Tell them that it's possible with God. If, God, if people around you are surrounding you and they're negative nans or negative Nancys, and all they ever do is tear you down and tell you it's not possible and quit trying and do all that, you, be a person. If you've got this gift of, of, of a smile on your face, then walk up and say, with God all things are possible. Amen? Be encouraging. If giving is your gift, then give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibilities seriously. Josiah has this gift of leadership. There's no if, and, or but about it. I know it. And I'm grateful that he comes and sits and listens and hopefully things I say will carry on throughout his life because the leading he's going to do is going to be important to the kingdom of God. So do it well. He came to our leadership meeting yesterday. And it was awesome because we was getting feedback from a 16-year-old's perspective. He ain't 16 yet; he's about 16, right? 21 days. Nobody's counting though, <laughs> <laughs> right? Maria Don. Nobody's counting or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're leading, lead well. Lead, lead your birthday really well, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, and if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. You know people can tell if you're pretending or not. You ain't fooling nobody. Amen. We we know. There's some people that wants to love to pretend to love, but they're not really loving. So Sammy Holder got me this uh this bracelet, but he, he bought them for himself, and he was going to give them out, and Kelsey stowed two of them last night off of him. We went to the ballgame, and Leslie, and, and Kelsey and Sammy were sitting inside us the ball game the ballgame, and she gave me and Leslie a bracelet. So they were Sammy's bracelet, so she must have the gift of giving. I don't know, and she, she stole off of Sammy to give to me, and was, I think it's awesome. So I, I got this gift right here, and, and this bracelet, I don't usually wear them, but it's on my left hand, and I told Jill a while ago, I was like, it's pretty awesome because I put this on last night, and it's got it on my left hand, and it makes me feel like I'm left-handed. I always thought, look, left-handed people are cool. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. It's wonder I have this left hander right here, this left-handed microphone. See, that just feels like empowering to me. <laughs> go lefties. I'm a righty, but go lefties. Don't just pretend to love others. So this bracelet's got some initials on it. It says HWLF. Okay, I'll wear it, yeah. It's the answer. I told her a while ago. So everybody remember the bands that said W-W-G-A-G? Right? What would Jesus do? So this is the answer band. There's one thing to ask a question, but it's another thing to have an answer. The Bible says have an answer to everybody. Yep. This says, he would love first. Amen. What would Jesus do? He would love first. Amen. The woman caught in the act of adultery, they brought her, and these religious zealots, they had the Old Testament, and they knew what the law was, and they brought her, and they caught her in the very act. They said, well, why in the world were they watching the act? (laughs) Just saying. If you're religious, why are you over there watching fornication, and why are you doing all that, right? So so they brought this woman, and they they threw her down at Jesus' feet, and it says that Jesus was down on the ground, and he began to write in the sand, and nobody knows what that is, and there's all kinds of sermons about that, and Jesus writing in the sand, and, and they said, what would you have us to do? And he looks up at him, and he said, he of you without sin, throw the first stone. Because the Bible told them in the Old Testament that they could stone somebody for the act of adultery. And we can take Bible verses and apply it to people's life and judge them on our basis versus God's basis. And I'm not telling you to go sin, but I'm telling you we're all sinners, saved by grace. Amen? So this woman's cast down there, and I can imagine her being there and thinking, Man, this is a prophet, and this is a rabbi, and and these zealots has brought me over here, and I'm going to die today. And Jesus looks at him and says, he without sin cast the first stone. And, and it says they all begin to walk away sorrowful because they knew that they had sinned themselves. And in the world we live in today, it's easy to look around and point fingers at everybody else's faults, everybody else's failures, but what would Jesus do? He would love first. Amen. And he looks that up and tells them that and they all walk away and then he looks around and she's the only one there. And guess what? There was somebody there, without sin, that could have thrown the first stone. It was Jesus. The Bible says that He was without fault. He was without sin. Jesus lived a sinless life. He could have thrown a stone at her, and he didn't. The same way he don't throw stones at you. What would he do? He'd love first. And he'd love best. So when this tells us don't just pretend to love others, let's take that serious. Amen. Say, I want to love like Jesus loved. Yes. Amen. I want to love them through the mess. I want to love them in the middle of the mess. I want to love them in the middle of the storm. I want to love no matter what. Why? Because, I, Mary Don, I couldn't help look at your shirt. And when you're sitting over there while ago go and be the village. There's a thought process out there that it takes a village to raise kids because parents don't always see everything they do. Amen? You can't be around always. So it takes a village. Be the village of Jesus to this world. And what if we all acted like him? And what all, if we all loved like him? And what all, if, if we really love them the way he's telling us to do here? He says, Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep, pr- keep on praying. So whatever you're going through or whatever you're dealing with and whatever change is happening in your life and whatever it seems like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Keep on praying. Prayer changes things. I thank God for these verses and and Paul writing this Roman church. uh, Be patient in trouble. We're perplexed. It's on every side, he tells us earlier in Romans. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Extravagant generosity is what we're talking about. This little drummer boy. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Amen. Just ordinary folk. And don't think you know it all. Wow. It's easy to get in that mindset. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Can I tell you? I love that verse. The King James says, live at peace with all men if it be possible. <laughs> Sometimes it just ain't possible. Amen. But we should still have peace. Amen. Amen. Treat me ever how you want to treat me. Do to me whatever you want to do to me. Say it to me whatever you want Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Amen. Amen. Some people say, well, that's not true. It's very true, yes. Words can hurt, but guess what? I'm going to live the peaceable life even if I'm being hurt. Paul's telling us to do that. Take the high road. There's nothing wrong with the high road. Don't get in the mud with them because all a pig wants you to do is get down there in the mud so they can waller you in it so you'll get dirty. It isn't that I'm going to hate people that do bad things. I'm going to love them anyway because that's what he would do. Amen? Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say this. This is what the Bible says. I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. If you do the good thing, if you take the high road and you bless those that curse you, you're going to be heaping coals of fire on their head, and they're going to receive the shame that is due to them because God does it by us doing the right thing. Isn't that amazing? It isn't what you want to do. It's what you're supposed to do. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Extravagant generosity changes the world. And I love this, this song here and, and this woman getting this vision in this and can you imagine how this song is going down and think about the day Jesus was born and he's in this manger and we all know this story, right, that, that he's there and he's in the manger and there's different people around that we know that the magi comes and we know that's the rich people. They had frankincense, gold, and myrrh and then there were shepherds there and how many of those shepherds think? Amen. You ever been in a barn where a bunch of animals are? You get manure all over you, right rind. Right, you go down there to the horse barn and get a bunch of manure around and all that. You get stinky. These shepherds were standing there by rich men. And both of them standing at the feet of their Savior that was laying in a manger. So come to him no matter what you have. And this song tells the story how that there's this little boy... And this isn't in the Bible, but this woman has this dream of this little boy with a drum. And this whole story goes that as he's going along, he, he's seeing these magi, and he's seeing these shepherds, and he's seeing everybody else with all their gifts that they're bringing. And they're offering these things to God, and, and it goes through this song. And, it, and let me get to Leslie's clicker here. She she clicks with her foot, by the way. So Here we go. Let's see if this works. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring. That's fit for your king. Shall I play for you on my drum? This little boy standing at Jesus' crib says, I have no gift to bring. And he's standing there with a the drum. And God's saying, I gifted you with that drum. And he's asking Jesus, Should I play? And it says in the next verse, I think it is, that Mary nodded. And the ox and lamb kept time. talking. I played on my drum for him. I played the best for him. Pa-rum-pum, pa-rum-pum. Then he smiled at me. Sometimes we as Christians think, I'm not significant. I don't have any gifts to bring. I don't even know if what I do matters. But here is a picture. And I think this is a picture of what God is telling us through Romans chapter 12. Do your part, find your gift. Do what he's called you to do. And you'll see the miracle that you want to see. Don't worry. The shepherds could have stayed gone and said, I'm not going to the Savior of the world's birthday because I stink. Amen? Amen. So maybe you've sinned this week. And sin will separate you from God. It tries to keep you separated from God. That's why the enemy wants you to sin. Because he wants you to feel like I'm not worthy enough to even go to church. Amen. Bring your stink on in here. Amen. Let's go get our stink on. Let's just go ahead and come on in church. Amen. That's what the church is for. You may be a billionaire. It may be Jeff Bezos that comes to to see Jesus. Guess what? If he's got $150 billion, he can do great things to the kingdom of God. Did you know that Colonel Sanders one time walked in a church in Louisville, Kentucky, an Assembly of God church, and he walked in that morning, he was lost, he was well into his years, he had been very successful as a multi-millionaire, and he walks in church that morning and he's probably thinking, I don't have anything, I've, I've lived this whole life and there's something void and I don't even know why I'm going to church this morning. And he walked in that church and he got saved, it's called Evangel World Prayer Center. And as he come in and he got saved, it's a church down in Louisville, I know the pastor. I've played golf with him. And Colonel Sanders walks in and he comes up to the altar and gets saved. Do you remember what that feels like to be saved? Colonel Sanders felt that feeling that you and I felt. His his next week he showed up to church and the first tithe check that he wrote to the church was $250,000. Rich people can come to Jesus too. Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't need to look to them and say, well, Amazon, I can't believe Jeff Bezos, and I ain't going to buy nothing off Amazon no more. I can't believe it. I'm not supporting his habits, and he's just a billionaire, blah, blah, blah. We can get like that. Are they not welcome at Jesus' feet too? The Magi was. The poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich. Jesus, I'll never forget, Ernie taught this one time in a Sunday school lesson. He said, at the foot of the cross, all level ground. At the foot of the cross that's what god wants for us so a few when i was a teenager i went to a church with my aunt mary one time and talked about gifts and 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 there was a pastor uh, brother Darty, an awesome guy a great pastor and and uh he had a son and that it was in my class in, in school his name was john Darty and he was a football player and he had his his legs his calves was as big as my waist he was a monster, which I was a little scrawny kid. I was four foot 11 in, in eighth grade, a little scrawny, you know, like 90 pounder and there's this guy, bigger healthy boy and played football, awesome football player. Really, really good football player. Little guy was glad that pastor moved to town. Hey Amen, that's, that's one of the times you recruit. It's just because the church recruited him. It was awesome. But he had a little brother, and his brother's name—I'm pretty sure his little brother's name was Brad, and Brad was a football player too. But he—he he wasn't as gifted at football as, as John was, because John was so big and healthy and and a, a strapping young guy. And but I went to church with Aunt Mary, and and one time the pastor and back then it wasn't even cool to have drums in church. I thank God for drums in church. I thank God for music. It's all God's. Let's use it right. So so they put, they brought drums in the church center, the Church of God, and and it was amazing because. Uh, his pastor took him up on the platform, and this guy was, he he was in seventh grade, I think the boy was at that time, because I was in eighth grade, so he's probably in seventh grade, and he's younger than us, And, and his dad took him up there, and he said, okay, we're gonna have a drum solo. You ever been at a concert with a drum solo, Greg? Yeah, pretty awesome. So, everyone say hello to our drummer, Dusty, Bethesda drummer, drummer of the year, woo! I wish I could have the picture up on the screen, but I didn't get it to Leslie in time dusty of when he was a teenager. You remember Brandon when he goes drums and the, I got a picture of him out in the yard with a set of drums with his hands up at a teenage kid. It's an awesome picture. We'll get it for you and we'll put it on Facebook and everybody look at it. But this is our drummer and he's gonna do us a drum solo and it's gonna be awesome. for you yes. watch your drum what's your gift to God and his kingdom do what you do do it well he wants you to love first this Christmas season is about the church having an opportunity to lead our culture in painting a picture of not an infant Jesus but a living Jesus through her church worldwide. It's amazing when we think of it that way. And you may say, like, Pastor Ben, I think my gift is so insignificant. I ain't got really anything to offer. You're just like that little drummer boy. Pastor, I I don't have a job. I can't even come to church and give when the offering plate goes by. But you being here is a gift. Amen? Don't look at it that way. Just love God and love people. That's what He wants us to do. Won't you stand? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to think about what is God's gift what is your drum that he's given you where's it at what have you been doing with it because this song says in the last last verse it says that he smiled at me this little boy thought all I can do is give him my drum and it made Jesus the baby the infant in this manger smile You want to make Jesus happy? Do what he's called you to do. Let's all pray together. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I'm asking you forgive me for my faults, for my failures, for my sin. Cleanse me Make me white as snow and let me use my gift to better your kingdom during this season of Jesus' birthday. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.